This is Art Unbound, the official podcast for the Portland Art Museum and Pam Cutt, the Center for an Untold Tomorrow. My name is Amy Dotson, and I'm Pam Cutt's director and the museum's curator of film and new media. To read a full transcript of this episode, visit portlandartmuseum.org slash podcast. This past March, we rebranded the Northwest Film Center as Pam Cutt, in order to create a more clear pathway to expand what it means to tell cinematic stories beyond just film. In addition to film and video, we have been expanding into VR, AR, XR, gaming, podcasts like this one, and the new cinematic technologies that are just being created. Our ethos is to change for whom, by whom, and how cinematic stories are told, and my two guests are a perfect example of how this can be done. Marcel Van Brackel and Mark Maywinord are the architects of Symbiosis, and Pam Cutt is honored to present its U.S. debut from November 12, 2022 through mid-February 2023. Symbiosis takes immersive XR storytelling to a whole new level with individualized haptic suits, soft robotics, VR audio and visual, as well as taste and smell-based story elements. Mark and Marcel, would you mind introducing yourselves and telling our fabulous audience a little bit about your backgrounds? Well, hello, I'm uh, Mark Meuenoort. Thank you for having us. Uh, lovely to be here. Um, I'm uh, one of the members of Polymorph, uh, together with Marcel. And I, uh, in this uh, work, I'm responsible for doing a lot of the technical stuff, like uh, designing engineering pneumatic systems and... Uh, sound design and music, and co-directing with uh, with Marcel. Hello, and I'm Marcel van Brakel, and I was founder of Polymorph, and together with Mark, artistic lead. And um, within the project, I designed the general concept and the stories within the experience, and did uh, overall design. Uh, yeah, I designed whatever needs to be designed. <laughs> <laughs> Team. <laughs> Well, there's a, a lot, lot to be designed. I can vouch for that. Yeah, I've yeah. been with you for the last few days on the install, which is very exciting. How did you two find each other? We found each other at uh, um, at uh, the Design Academy. We both teach, and uh, we were colleagues there. And uh, yeah, started working uh, next to the the standard curriculum. We started working on projects uh, back in. 2013, we started this, uh, or actually Marcel and Frederick, um, a former member, started this uh, research project on uh, on smell, the sense of smell. And I joined in on that uh, because, uh, yeah, it's awesome. It was super cool to do all these uh, funny, uh, funny, but interesting projects, I have to say. Also funny sometimes. Um, and, uh, yeah, we started working besides working as colleagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, and I joined Polymorph then. On the yeah, the design school, the same day Breda in Holland, the south of Holland. Yeah, that's how yeah, you're nodding. I'm, I'm seeing <laughs> <laughs> Marcel is nodding. He he affirms that everything Mark said was true. Well, symbiosis is happening downstairs at the Pam Cut Gallery, which is so exciting. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the origins of the project. Um, I was lucky enough to experience it at IDFADOC Labs. I know you've played this all over Europe, but now you're here in the U.S. for the first time. How did this all get started for the two of you? Uh, most of the time, like projects kind of organically uh, move uh, into a new project. So since since we were interested in the sense of smell, working multi-sensory, 
designing for different modalities of the body. It was on our wish list to kind of make something with VR. We never d- did a very serious attempt to that. So that so this is the first also the first work that we did do with VR, and we want to explore the taste sensation with VR. And we also had concepts about how could, can you kind of turn the body into a, a non-human gritter or or a being. And then I saw the I saw a documentary um, about Don Haraway, mm-hmm. storytelling for earthly survival, and see it, within that documentary there was a f- small clip about her latest book. Then uh, staying with the troublemaking kin in the clitus scene. I, I never pronounced that right, but that's how I, I pronounce it. Scene. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, Mark's better. Than that. I don't and know. I'm we, wrong, maybe also. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a guess. It's, a guess. No. it's then, an educated uh, guess. Within that book, is, a, is Donna wrote a beautiful, really amazing story about uh, Camilla, the story of Camilla, in which uh, people try to find different strategies for surviving the Anthropocene and building new um, biodiversity, uh, healing the planet, but also uh, staying with the trouble, kind of, kind of also accepting that things have to change and are changing. And within that story, uh, people kind of use genetics and uh, nanorobotic uh, to, to kind of merge their body with uh, endangered species so their offspring becomes new kinds of um, biodiversity mm-hmm. but with that also with that act also you incorporate uh, these uh, endangered species into your family tree and you and with that comes also the responsibility to take care of the environment that kind of supports the parents and uh, the new children and I thought this was such a poetic and, and beautiful way of presenting also a very f- positive new future mm-hmm. that we kind of work with that as a starting point and it kind of glued together all kind of different ideas we already had and interests we already had into this new project, Symbiosis. And within that story, we'll, we started to write our own stories and new stories to also explore the consequence of uh, leaving a mo- this kind of human-centric position where we're in at this moment, where everything is about us and about what we want to achieve, what humanity wants to do. And I think it was very refreshing to kind of break that up and think tank what might happen if we move towards more symbiotic relationship with nature and other, and also more inclusive society with other kinds of nature or new kinds of nature or hybrid natures that might await us in the future. I love it. And I have to say, um, you know, experiencing it, you know, hearing about it is one thing and probably very inspirational for lots of folks that are listening, but experiencing it is a whole other thing. And I'm wondering if maybe you can share a little bit about, you know, kind of step by step, what, what, you know, how do you transform? I mean, it's one thing to say, oh, you transform into this new being, but it's another thing entirely to come into the space to put on the haptic suit. Maybe walk us through that process as well. Yeah, well, oh, you come into the space and then you will sit down together with a couple of other people because there will be you can they can enter six people in the, into the experience at the same time so you will be seated down you will have a short introduction about uh, the story and uh, there's some explanation on the different characters you can play and then you're actually asked together to uh, kind of negotiate with each other to to choose which character you're going to be so that's the first step i think in in having this thing that you anticipate on the other, you have to uh, think of yourself, what you maybe want to be, but also what the other maybe can do or whatever. 
So that's that's a, that's a step. That's an interest, interesting step. And then when the, that that part is done, you actually be yeah put in one of the suits that you have chosen together. And um, uh, there are six different play playable characters. And uh, so that we have a uh, um, Colorado River Toad hybrid with human, uh, a slime mold, which is a, a slime mold, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a Camilla uh, character, which is a hybrid between a monarch bi- butterfly and a, and an orchid. And then there's uh, a multibody, which consists of three uh, p- people being connected in one one yeah one species, one new species, and that's also uh, the the most yeah the most the, the the suit that is the most connected, literally connected. So people will be put in those suits, which is also a part of the experience, of course, because it's, it, yeah, it takes some time and it's a very oddening experience, I would say. And then you will get the headset on and then the experience will take around 15 minutes, 15 to 16 minutes. And then uh, everybody has his own uh, storyline. And after the experience is done, people get out of the suits, which is also, again, <laughs> an experience because, you know, you will be yeah, waking up or something. But during the experience, you, you will be slowly, you have to slowly get used to or let go of your own physicality, your own body, and give in to the storyline, give in to your character and, and the physicality of, the, of your character. And then after that, we'll, we'll talk through your experiences with the other people, but you'll actually meet each other in the end of the experience of your timeline. And then I think there's some offboarding. Maybe people can discuss what they experienced and and, and what they what they felt and how different that is. And from that different perspectives, maybe come close together. I think at least that's what we hope. We hope for uh, questions, basically. Questions, but also uh, some uh, excitement, of <laughs> course. And there's, there's, uh, of course, different people have different emotions, different reactions, and that's uh, that's the interesting thing. Also, I think about this uh, that people. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's also interesting that, like, uh, in a lot of XR, it's about giving the human body or the, the participant a lot of control or mm-hmm. as much as control as possible. And I think we do the opposite in our in our project. So. For us, it's much about a more humbling uh, position where you have to kind of surrender to what's happening to you. Uh, You cannot control the smells that you will smell. You cannot control the the haptics that will change your body posture and also give you different sensations of the body. And there's also no buttons to push or whatever. So we try to design the experience as as intuitive as possible. So you can just walk around and touch things and... Uh, discover, uh, not necessarily with your hands, but maybe with other stuff that's available to you in this other body. So sometimes that's also scary for people that they have to give up control and depend on a system. Because you're also hi- a hybrid with the with the technological part that Mark built, you're part with this this kind of almost cyborg kind of thing extending your body in itself also so there's the vr part but there's also the physical part where you're hooked up to a, actually to a machine that's taking over i think it's such a good point because a lot of people think vr and they think clunky headset and maybe they're playing some games or some beat saber or things like that this is you know we we have a phrase around here art with a capital a um you you said something really beautiful when we had our curatorial team here that putting on the suits is like being an astronaut and that really stuck with me both in the sense of the audience 
putting on this suit and going to a different place within themselves. But it also really struck me in that, you know, this is a field where when people ask me how to describe your work, I'm without words. I, I kind of fumble. I say, oh, it's it's XR, but it's performative. And yet these suits are just like incredible in their own right, right? I, I tend to, to kind of over explain. And yet I think the beauty and the magic of what you're trying to do is that you don't want to explain too much. There's so much mystery and uniqueness and humanity in it. Um, this is not Beat Saber, <laughs> to say the least. And so how do you all describe to each other or to folks that are curious about, I guess, specifically symbiosis, and then we'll go into some of your previous work as well, but how do you describe to folks what it is you're trying to do? Yeah, well, that's a good question. I think as as makers or as artists or designers, you 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 describe it by making the work itself, and that's your language, you know? So... If you paint, yeah, yeah, you can say a lot about your paintings, but the, it's a paint. Paint itself is something else than words describing it. So I like it to speak for itself. But of course, we, uh, I think, if if we talk about it, we frame it within the body of work we have, and that is really about this using the body as a canvas for designs or exploration. So that that means it's multisensory. That we really think that's interesting to to use smell to use f taste and touch in uh, especially now in this VR because VR has this tendency to be solitary mm -hmm. and disembodied and then re reintroduce a body which is virtual and Marcel was really interesting he said oh I hate VR <laughs> 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 he hates VR and, and and that's a very interesting thing because uh, also we, we discovered with this VR of course it's uh, VR is really built for a human standing up straight with his arm aside wide and then yeah, uh, doing uh, using a, uh, some the form controllers. of controller. <laughs> They're literally called but controllers, if you yes. Are lying on the floor, <laughs> it's suddenly a completely different thing. Not that we didn't, we had to skip that. We're first, first things we... Uh, so so, so introducing your own physical body and playing with that and go and designing from that, I think that's the. So that that would mean some form of embodied embodied design or embodied VR. I think that that would be uh, one of the descriptions. It's really funny because in the beginning we also had a lot of technical problems because like the software could not recognize the stuff that we're making. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's pretty new. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and, and when we started, I, I, I kind of framed it as performative VR because we, we have a background in theater and um, creating theater, theatrical experiences. Um, and we thought this would be the first time that we would uh, move towards a multi-user VR because it's really multi-user and people meeting in the VR. Uh, to be honest, in the end, it, it we had had to kind of compromise on that because uh, it, for us, it was the first time it was so... Uh, challenging and also so much work to to get animation animation done do what we want to do and it's like so slow and painstaking in creating it that we had to kind of yeah we went over budget and we don't ha have money to kind of invest in in the more interactive part but that's still something that we really we like to explore in another project so um yeah that also the image yeah. interaction is also uh, beyond or outside the VR, you know, in the whole, it's a whole installation. You step into a whole world that is both physical and virtual. 
And I think that's really important also for an audience to know. You know, you you will you'll enter the space and immediately you will be in the work because there's this whole a new world being built there and they have physical and virtual elements into them and that's a, the suits and and I think that's there's also interaction starting with the negotiation of who's going to be what you know and how 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 do we talk about that even now and uh I think that's also important that that has really the performative uh, aspects to it yeah. which the VR also becoming, has of course be, becoming the character becoming yeah. becoming it being it and for those who haven't done VR before, because it's still uh, in the zoetrope phase, as I like to say, for those of you who are film nerds, um, it, it's such a new field and it's such a, a new art form that I think that we are just in very early days. And where I'm going with this is that, you know, as we watch media uh, and look at media arts, we're usually very passive. Um, we usually pass by or sit on our couch or go to a darkened theater, and we are transported to another world. But especially with VR, you're not dealing with linear time. You're dealing with space. You can look all around you, up and down, and you know it really is a novel form in that sense that it taps into empathy sensors and it taps into um, you know other other worlds that you know you could only imagine. But you feel, for whatever the trick of the brain, that you're not just watching something that in it. What I find fascinating as we transition into some of the other works that you've done is that comment you made about not loving VR. When I experienced uh, your piece for the first time, I talked about everything but the VR. And so I find that fascinating because now that I know much more about your work and uh, the very first piece I ever experienced was Celebrity Deaths. Um, and you can talk a little bit about that experience and the immersive nature of that. But I find it fascinating that every detail that you've thought about is enhanced by the VR, but it's almost like you don't need the VR. So for folks that maybe haven't experienced VR before or are intimidated by it in any way, um, I would highly recommend, you know, this is a piece that is multi-sensorial, but also keeps your humanity front and center the entire time. I'd love to hear more about what it is that you have been doing that's led you up to this. And if you can share what you have coming up next. So it's good first to kind of explain what Famous Death is about. Like within Famous Death, you can experience the final five minutes of a famous person's life until you die. And uh, the audience gets shoved into a more freezing cell. So you're laying in the dark and we only use smell and sound to trigger the story. And it's quite documentary. So within the the project, it can be uh, either uh, Whitney Houston or Vincent van Gogh or Lady Diana, Gaddafi or um, uh, JFK. JFK. Um, and then you kind of experience in smell and sound how it might have been to be them. So actually, it's it's kind of this analog version of VR, maybe because it's first-person perspective, puts you right in the middle of the the, the 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 action or the situation, and at the same time, we don't use any visuals because they're already in your brain. So the, the smells kind of activate that, so you become your own narrator, narrator. You you create your own story, and it's kind of also mixed with your own uh, memories, your own maybe personal uh, reactions to certain smells. We had that also as a feedback from some of the people that kind of did the experience. Yeah, and that was our first really big project uh, moving into the field of working with smell, actually, uh, because a lot of work, I'm, 
when I make a theater piece, it's always about a visual. <laughs> it was yeah. <laughs> before I entered this basement. And it was such a huge, the exciting and inspirational uh, uh, fields to kind of work with other senses that we're not used to see as a design tool. Uh, and they have a really great impact. So the, the brain, of course, um, gathers data and smell is like this subconscious um, influencer that kind of uh, talks to the brain, have it make decisions without you even knowing it. Mm. And for a designer, that's such a powerful tool also to, to enhance emotional state or to change, uh, to, to, to take over strategic uh, manipulation of the audience or of yourself. Um, so that's that was really uh, for us a really uh, a game changer within our body of work. Yeah, and also uh, what I really like about it that I hear Marcel talk about it now because it's been a while since we worked on this, of course. Uh, that that this relation be with with, uh, with this background in theater, you know, being a director, and that 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 you find tools or find means or find media. You can direct with and direct story and direct uh, focus, direct interest, direct topics, whatever. So that's I think that's a very interesting, yeah. That that really worked when we discovered how to work with smell, basically. Mm -hmm. But also the technological part of it. It was like, yeah, how do you do that? How 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 can you deliver sense and how can you take it away? And and it's 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 a very interesting medium. It's it's it's. Uh, it's in the air, it's, it has these qualities to it, it has this difficult way of working with it. Mm -hmm. So we try to also yeah, work on these technologies to, to yeah, we basically made a smell printer and, and parts of that smell printer or parts of that, that technology we still use now in this work. So that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's I think, interesting uh, to, uh, yeah, to also discover. And, and, let that, and, combi and always combine that with, uh, in, in Famous Deaths with, with the aesthetics. And playing with the aesthetics and playing with the imagery of the morgue freezer, which is very strong image, of course, and and and, and it really reflects on on death and how we perceive and wh what we think of death and how we talk about that and how we not talk about that, especially also. So we uh, we play with that with that imagery outside of the experience, but inside the the, the experience, the image is gone. It's, it's uh, you have to make your own image. So that's uh, there was also yeah there were all you know, things that really work. And I think it's also. Um, connected to symbiosis where you also had to have to kind of step over your boundaries or, or enter a new a new unknown territory and give up uh, control i think that's always in present in all of our works mm -hmm. at least there's the recent work that it's kind of challenging you the audience to kind of really get engaged and to to overcome preconceptions <laughs> and it can be very simple in, in famous deaths we we ask you to lay down on this tray and you be and then but laying down is the first big step you have to do because when you lay down you are, have a total different vulnerability you are your body feels different it's perceptive to different things it's going to be more yeah it's going to be more perceptible we think or you have to some people close off but mm -hmm. uh, but but that's the first step and then being shoved into the <laughs> freezer itself is I always found that the most scariest part when I, I did, did it myself, <laughs> going into the and, it, whoa, whoa. and then uh, after that it's uh, more of a yeah, uh, and you also get really in focus and, and and letting go and then the story starts working. Also, the moment that you die, exactly because yeah. it's it comes always because I've I 
designed the, the, the whole uh, sound uh, design. And I knew what was coming, <laughs> but the, the death moment, death always comes as a surprise. You cannot anticipate it. And that's also was really confronting, I think, for me when I did it the first time. It's just in a snap, things are gone and you cannot predict it. And I think uh, that was very strong. I think also working with smells and famous deaths and the experience that we got with also people, um, they uh, they thought that we would manipulate different modalities than only smell they, because they oh. felt that their body was heating up in certain scenarios. Interesting. Yeah. Or they started have the sensation of floating or mm-hmm. or or uh, space of cooling down, or or cooling down. And of course, we did not do anything with temperature, um, but it tells. Uh, a lot about how the body works and how it kind of reacts to certain smells, uh, maybe move into flight or fight mode to kind of prepare the body to do for action when there's maybe not no action, but there is the data of maybe danger. Um, so that made us also realize that uh, like the human body is this chemical robot uh, that can be controlled in different wa- ways, but it's also very interesting to, to look at it as this kind of chemical machine Instead of this, uh, because in our daily life, we're always kind of occupied with what the conscious wants, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the goals on a daily daily basis. And uh, we, we often forget how this chemical machine is also interconnected to all kinds of different stuff that you're not aware of. Mm-hmm. And it's influencing you and you are influencing it also back in the same time. And that really moved us back on track to more work where we kind of explored that relationships. The only other thing that I've done that has really moved me uh, in a very different way was John <laughs> Waters. If you're familiar uh, with the uh, the kind of raconteur and filmmaker yeah. extraordinaire, he had um, a scratch and sniff program mm-hmm. where he would uh, have a card and uh, a little six would come up on the screen and yeah. you'd scratch it really fast and you put it up to your nose and it'd be poop, you know, yeah. and, and it just kind of enhanced the whole mm-hmm. thing. But I find it fascinating that I would imagine with the kind of work that you all do that has some theater, art with a capital A, there's you know the XR experience, there's this smell storytelling. Who do you all look to today that it influences you and, and the kind of work that you do? I mean, there's even a kind of gamified element to it in some, some aspects where people are choosing their own adventure. But what are some of the things that you're seeing out there in the art or the pop culture or the literary world that are inspiring you um, and you feel also folks should check out? Oh, friend, this is the hardest question ever. <laughs> ah, the hardest question ever. Do you have some favorites that you've been inspired by No, in one of the artists that kind of we really admire, I think I admire also is Lucy McRae, who did kind of also touch on the same things that we are working on. Uh, she worked with uh, Inswallowable Perfume that, mm. that kind of yeah. is, 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 is swallowed and then it's, it's, it's emitted because it's chemically reacting with the body itself and it's changing and she did some uh, excellent work on uh, body architectural um, hacks with the body so I like her work but to be honest I I, I mostly find uh, my my inspiration in science and Mm. um, so we're really focused also in on to, to be in this cross domain of art science design and art uh, technology, of course. Mm-hmm. So I think that's and, I, and and when I was younger, I could never kind of get that together. But now it it comes more naturally, and we it's, it becomes more logic. 
but I think that's a huge inspiration for us. Um, we, we uh, f for instance, the Entangled Body uh, project that we did, where we kind of created a, a ghost uh, a sculpture of your brain activity. So, and that you can you cannot see that, but we can project that with ultrasound in space. Uh, and if you will touch that, you can fe actually feel it. So we create a ghost of your ghost, wow. which is touchable outside of the body. Um, but we, the, the spark of that project was like actually just finding these technologies able to do that. Well, <laughs> yeah, but also this, this uh, maybe you know that, this uh, ghost photography. Mm -hmm. this, Absolutely. Uh, and then you see that the, the ectoplasma coming out of someone's head or something. That's also... As as an as an inspiration, uh, I think for uh, what can that be? You know, what 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 are we talking about, and what is this tradition? So there's a tradition with new technologies. They find glitches, mm -hmm. and these glitches they become like like content or a, a, a thing for story or something that you can actually explore further. And then, and I think with this ghost photography, it's the same thing. Yeah, that's just, you can discuss that. There's a glitch or some failure in the technology or some yeah. some find in the technology let's call it that and also uh, but that also gives you insight on how we perceive and think about ourselves yeah. and it that that is a, an open dialogue also sparked by the technology or or uh, given uh, expressed by these new technologies that also enables us to think differently maybe or to change or to challenge that i've one i've one artist that fi i find really inspiring Firing. Not that it's directly seen, I think, in the work we make, but it's Stellark exploring the body as a thing, as a thing that is part of this network, things with other machines, and, and, and he's basically focusing on machine, uh, machines, and but also extending that body and re redesigning it in a, in a, uh, yeah, re asking asking real fundamental questions of what are human humanity is but also what is our human body is i found that very very inspiring as uh all's work been around for quite some time but uh i've saw this met him a couple times <laughs> i know it is a hard <laughs> question but i think it yeah. helps especially for folks that maybe are coming to this podcast with a variety of different interests and backgrounds and i think that's really what we're trying to do at pam cut and certainly at the portland art museum is welcome in folks from all sorts of different interests and also make sure that they know that these stories are accessible and that the things that we're doing are in some ways grand experiments. Uh, yeah. You know, we're we're all trying to figure out what's next, and all trying to figure out exactly how you beautifully put that merging of art and storytelling, tech and design, um, because that's kind of the stuff of life, right? It, it's not meant to be intimidating; it's meant to be accessible. And when we all come together and we experience something beautiful like what you all have put together with Symbiosis, we also have not only the opportunity to experience, but also to discuss these really important things with others. I know you're both professors as well. Um, what do you talk to your students or even young people? Um, I, as, as you know, the first time I did this piece, I did it with my 12-year-old son, and it blew his mind, and this is now what he wants to do when he grows up. Because he saw in what you're doing, this what we've just been talking about, this symbiotic thing that was in the piece, but also all of these disparate different 
story elements, design elements, technology elements that I certainly think in young people and probably the folks that you're working with, this is the norm. It's not the exception. Um, and so I would be very curious because I imagine some folks that are listening to this might be interested in doing work like what you do or learning more about it. How do you talk to your students about what's coming next and how they can get more proactive and involved? I think what I always say is to like be ambitious. Um, because what I sense with with my students that they're they kind of try to play safe in a way, because they think about where, where can I find a job and uh, how can how, how can I, I can how can I control it and but I think it's always very important when we do a presentation we start off with uh, with a slide of uh, Peter Bones as another member of uh, Polymorph he made um, a, a f f very beautiful small film uh, of his daughter dreaming. And, and you would see the rapid eye movement during the dream. And I think that that's so hugely important to kind of dream, especially as a young artist, and to do the most ambitious thing you can think of. And then just try to spark that into reality. Even though you have to compromise, it will still be unique and it will be still be special and it will still be important. And another thing is that we, we kind of moved more and more into speculative design because I think it's really way more interesting to kind of think about stuff that's that's now in the labs it's almost there or not there or the stuff that's kind of emerging and to design for with that and for that because then you're first <laughs> and Absolutely. it will give you a, 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 a front sub position towards develop and also to to kind of overthink what what is waiting for us um, a lot of these technologies stay, stays in the universities or it's, they only get kind of medical ap application or uh, purpose. But they're so interesting to, to, to be used in other fields, uh, in storytelling, in other, all kinds of other um, design uh, problems. So that's, that's kind of, yeah, get yourself informed on what's out there and dream as ambitious as you can and just make it and not wait for it, not think about it, but just try to make it now. I think that's that's what I try to teach them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, maybe to add to that, what I hear Marcel says, he, he, it's also his own background coming from art school, which is that it's this autonomous uh, thing you have to achieve, I think. But I, I'm, my background's philosophy, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Way more complicated to ask. This you question. can feel the dynamic. I love you. it. Oh, I spent three days with you guys. I, this I has have been a to blast. Think about this. Let's <laughs> <laughs> think about this. Yeah. Now, um, but um, yeah, I think I think what what to add to it because I think that I, I agree with Marcel, but also be be ambitious, but also be adaptive and be honest. You know, uh, because there's there's these ideas out there that are really dominant. Uh, about this uh, being successful, about uh, about a lot of stuff, and I think you have to, yeah, be able to. And there's a lot of things changing really fast, so I think ad being adaptive and being open for that, being open for change, also change for your for your in yourself, and uh, accepting failure. I think that's very important uh, for uh, to to survive in this uh, in this world. Uh, in general, but uh, especially in uh, in design and art uh, practices, because that's you have access to so 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 much of awesome stuff all the time that it can be overwhelming, and you have to really uh, take care of yourself in that. I think as a, as a person and as a as a designer, 
of course, also. Yeah. Super. Yeah. Well, our last question is a softball, but um, you know, this is the first time you're bringing the exhibition to the United States. Obviously, um, you all have worked with the Sundance Institute and other places and been able to be here before, but any insights that are unique to the U.S. that you know, now that you've been here for a few days on the build um, that you want to share on you know, how, the differences between putting this together in Europe and, and you know, the excitement perhaps that you have for U.S. audiences to experience this? Any, any last and final words? Oh, wow, I'm starting to have a hard one. I know, that was supposed to be a softball. You can just say I love the donuts here. You can softball it back. I feel super welcome and I love your team. It's a, <laughs> and uh, we, of course, so there's, there's, there's obviously, there's differences. There's a lot of, so you Americans, if, can I say it like that? But there's, there's a lot of things you want to know in advance. Mm-hmm. And I think in Europe that's that's less the case. You know, you, you can be more alive or we'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's I'm really curious about that. So there's a lot of there's more things to 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 to, to set the boundaries of or whatever. I don't know how to say it, but uh, you have to take care of that. And that has reasons. It has its, uh, it has its uh, advantages also. Mm-hmm. I think, but it's different. So uh, we, I'm I'm really curious how that will will play, play out. I think in the end, when, when I see American audiences experience, experiencing our work in, the, in, in Holland, for example, then it's basically the same. You kind of, sure. it, there's, not, there's not, we're humans, you know, and we're, we're, we're curious about this stuff and we'll, we'll talk about it. And, we'll, uh, and some people maybe don't like it. And, and so that's, I think, a good thing. We'll see. We'll see how uh, how that goes. It's uh, super exciting, for sure. uh, Also because we're not around, you know. We're we're leaving next week. (laughs) And that's also... Yeah, that's, that's new. That's, that's also new. <laughs> that's I don't know, nerve-wracking in a different way. It can also be nerve-wracking when you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm... Uh, I don't know. But I think... I think also in the beginning, when we, um, we, we launched Famous Deaths, we kind of became more popular in America than in Holland. Oh, <laughs> That's interesting. That's really funny. Yeah. And I think maybe also tells something about Americans that they are more open or oh. or, or eager or to or 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 uh, um, investigative to the, to know the stuff or to 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 search for new things. Uh, because it was really a uh, really really ex- strange experience that we had like all of these shows here in the US and then in Holland yeah nobody knows it. <laughs> 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 it was really funny yeah. actually so uh, what help thank you for that <laughs> yeah. yeah because also that also true, helps yeah. us in back in Holland of oh, course good. we yeah. want you to we want you to be big, <laughs> big in Holland too yeah. it's great <laughs> yeah well we caught up a bit but uh, but in the beginning it was really interesting to see that difference they're, they're really spoiled yeah <laughs> but it's also when you come when when so we really like another inspiration by the way but we really like uh, guys from uh, and the uh, girl from uh, Marshmallow Laser Feast of oh, course and their absolutely. work absolutely yeah and uh, and also Marco Paul actually from the, from Denmark but uh, they, they uh, so when they come over it's it's some some way it's special because they're foreigners you know then uh, they, you have this special attention you you meet each other and. And and I think that's also in the, that also plays a role in some way. If you're not from around, then it's hmm, it's who, what, what's this that has an extra maybe more, more extra, cool <laughs> extra. So but I uh, yeah, 
Well, I certainly think, um, you know, being in Portland, uh, and this is a podcast of the Portland Art Museum and Pam Cut, um, Portland is an amazing place for you all to premiere this um, with our love of nature and our deep curiosity. Um, I, I, when I first moved here, met somebody, met somebody again. I learned about their banjo playing. I learned about their art practice. And then I learned they were a brain surgeon. Mm. So it's one of those places where people contain multitudes. And I think it's a perfect place for the premiere of your work. And we're so pleased to have you here with us. And we're so pleased to have everybody um, that's listening as well. Thank you for listening to Art Unbound. For more information on symbiosis and polymorph and all Pam Cut's upcoming film screenings, classes, artist services, and oh so much more, please visit pamcut.org. I would like to thank our team at Pam Cut and of course Marcel and Mark and their entire team for being here, as well as our friends at IDFA Doc Lab who were kind enough to make this introduction many moons ago and we're so glad that this has come to America and we are so glad to see what audiences think. And of course, we thank you, the listener, and I will turn it over one last time to my friends, Mark and Marcel, if there are anybody that you would like to thank. If you'd like to thank the Academy, your cat, uh, anything that you wanted to say as a thank you. I know there's been a lot of folks who have worked very hard to get you here. So I always want to thank my family because I take so much time away from them. So I'm really grateful for their support and their help. And of course, the Pemcot for taking a risk with such a huge and also, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big adventure to see how this will work out in three months because for us, it's the longest show that we ever did. So that's we're really thankful for that. Yeah, and everybody who supports us and helps us to, to because it's it's really important, all these little steps, that w- they will help, help us further, further. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people to mention. I don't know if there's time for that, but there's a, our team is, uh, there's a lot of amazing people in it. And uh, also uh, the, the the funds that actually help us, uh, the Fund, funds. Uh, yeah, Stephen Leering's funds. Uh, but also the Itva Dog Lab, uh, but Sundance Institute helped us. Uh, Amsterdam okay. Art Fund. Yeah, so there's there's all these funds. That, uh, we have a list. I didn't bring it, <laughs> but it's in, <laughs> it's in the credits. And also, of course, my home base, uh, my yeah. girlfriend, but also even my, my family yeah, the supporting. That's, that's always lovely. And you guys here, it's been amazing so far. Uh, I really that Marcel also said but it's really you guys taking this this step you know and we know how hard this can be we actually we won an award the ITFA award for uh, innovative technology uh, that was also a huge step for them to, 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 to give us this, this award you know because we I think of course I mean it but I also see it from outside that it, it's taking huge steps on this cutting-edge stuff. You know, it's, uh, it's exploring these boundaries is uh, is super important, but also can all be super yeah, hard. <laughs> and I've, I'm, I'm grateful to be a part of that. Thank you, thank you super for that. Thank you to the listener and to our sponsors, Nike. HTC Vive, as well as our friends at the Dutch Consulate. We really appreciate all the support to get here today. And a special shout out to John Richardson, whose uh, podcast this is, and he brought this to life for Pam and Pam Cut a few years ago, and it is now uh, 
has a stamp of approval from the New York Times, no less. So thank you, all of you. And thank you for this amazing conversation today. I feel like every time we sit down, I learn something new.